0: tribute. A long time ago, me and my brother Kyle here,
1: we was hitchhiking down a long and a lonesome road. All of a sudden, there shined a shiny demon in the middle of the road. And he said, you're listening to Front and Center with Sean, Sean angels! Oh, yeah. We're back. We are back. It's episode 10 of Front and Centre, our favourite show. We discuss incredible young people. We interview them. We pick their brains. But before that, we give you some juicy, crazy, crazy news. You're with and Joolza.
2: Welcome, everybody, to uh, episode 10. Super sad. We can see the end now. Oh, two oh, no. episodes to go after this, and I can't believe we've come this far. I mean, I'm so sad. This, is,
1: it it so it, it, this The hour on air goes so quickly.
2: It's been a long and inspiring road and no, none more so than today. We've got a very special TEDx Youth Sydney oh,
1: special. I was so excited <laughs> when Sean and I came up with this idea because we tune into the TEDx Youth special, uh, sorry, the TEDx Youth Sydney, uh, you know. Yeah, a couple of event. weeks ago. Yeah, a yep, few weeks ago we yep. tuned in, w- watched, watched a couple of talks live, see a couple of talk, a couple performances, and then we both thought, oh my God, we need to get someone on our show. It would be, be, be a missed opportunity if we didn't.
2: So we've got more than just someone. We've got two people we'll be having a chat to. Emily Waramara, first Indigenous artist, 21 years old, uh, she performed at TEDx youth in Sydney she considers herself a bit of an environmental activist mm. you're gonna be finding out all about her and oh, then I can't after wait for that, that one
1: and then yeah after that we've got uh, McKinley Butson who is a 16 year old inventor 16 year old inventor from New South Wales so she did a talk at TEDx and Man, we're going to get into what she's invented and what she's planning to invent. She is doing some incredible things for humanity. Some of the, these this com- these conversations are going to be absolutely inspiring. I can't wait. This whole entire show has just, you know, allowed me and Sean to meet so many. Great people that we never would have met. We would never have had the opportunity to speak to otherwise. Yeah, it's been a
2: super inspiring journey and I uh, can't wait to get into today's interviews. How's your be a week great been? Great
1: couple of phone interviews. How's your week been, Jules? Oh, Sean, I had a funny little moment today. I had a great week actually. It's been a nice, relaxing week when I mean, it really shouldn't be. It's week nine of uni, but you know. I made it relaxing. <laughs> um, so today I was just driving driving to the station. I was just blasting Sweet Caroline in the car. It was great. Sweet you know, Caroline. Caroline. Dun, 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 yes. dun. Yeah. And I just pulled up and I've got my hand out of the car, just like blasting it. And then these two girls pull up next to me and they both like laugh at me and just give me a big thumbs up. And I'm just like, yeah, thumbs up. Like, you know, it. great <laughs> I song. Had, no I had,
2: shame. I had a very weird moment today in one of my classes, yeah. uh, so I study media, almost done, We're Almost at the yes. end. Yes, last, uh, last
1: few weeks of our degrees,
2: and today we studied a bit of Harambe. We <laughs> we looked at how the Harambe meme has influenced a lot of world uh, things, and that was uh, super interesting. I'm very glad that we've now got to the stage where That's we can incredible. study Harambe in class.
1: I feel like Harambe is definitely the one to to study because that is one, a meme that should have died. Like oh, it's years gone. Years ago. It's done. But it's still going. It, still- it survived for like a year. It was it alive for a year. Lasted a lot longer than I think we all expected. Way too long for a meme to stay alive. Another big, big uh, announcement, everyone. Sean's finally on Instagram. We yes. finally convinced Sean to get Instagram. <laughs> if you want to follow Sean, he's underscore Seanos. That is
2: S-E-A-N-O-S. I put off it put it off for a number of years, but I'm Whoa. finally on the Insta bandwagon. And
1: now yeah, he's bandwagoning all over the place. He but is absolutely frothing Instagram.
2: Up to 95 followers. It's been a, um, really a while for ride. a week. <laughs> a a week. In a week. Sean took...
1: thinks that getting 95 followers in a week is a good achievement. He doesn't realize that that's just his friends following him. I am At least you have 95 it. friends, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> and, but if you want some uh, consistently quality instagrams you can follow me i'm jules a v that's j-u-l-z-a-v always have a good good quality caption
2: (laughs) and while you're there you might as well chuck front and center alike on facebook we're closing in on the big 200 we'd love to hit that before the end
1: of the season come on guys that'd be great push us over the line also a couple other quick notes um the, on Tuesday, it was international talk like a pirate day, which I was so ashamed. I'm so annoyed that I didn't know that. So many, it been so, yeah. so many puns. So great.
2: So many puns could have been made.
1: Oh, it would have been. It would have been absolutely incredible. Um, and another thing that I've noticed, Sean, is that I can't believe it's 2017 yet. This thing annoys me, this annoys me every single time I heat something up in a microwave. <laughs> it's 2017, and we still don't have the technology to heat something completely through in a microwave. You still, you still have to stir it. I hate having to stir things. Why? <laughs> it's so pointless. <laughs>
2: This does my head in. Whenever I I have lasagna, you might hit it up for a couple of Mm. minutes. It is steaming on the outside and in the middle, stone cold.
1: You burn your tongue. I mean, riddle me that one, Jules. Riddle me that one. You also feel the cold depths of hell (laughs) (laughs) in the same bite. Look,
2: we have an absolutely fantastic show lined up for you today. Mm, As we mentioned, some awesome interviews come out. We'll be jumping on the phone with two amazing young people. And before that, we will be looking at some weird news. (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Front and Centre with Sean and Joolza on Sin Nation.
2: We have some absolutely fantastic uh, news to decipher very shortly. But before we do, an absolutely vital public service announcement from everybody here at Sin Nation, Sin Media. Me and Jules, take a listen to this very important announcement.
3: Sin Media is a community radio station with many volunteers, staff, subscribers, and listeners who identify as LGBTIQA, and we believe in equality. Following the recent High Court decision, it's time to prepare for the upcoming Marriage Equality Postal Survey. It's the only process currently available to us, and we need to be heard. Surveys should be with you no later than September 26. For anyone that does not receive their survey, requests for replacements must be made by October 18 via the ABS website it is highly recommended that surveys are mailed back to the ABS by October 27 to ensure they receive it in time. If you feel like you need support during this time, there are a number of places you can contact, such as Switchboard, QLife, Headspace and Lifeline. Love is Love, a Sin Media Community Service announcement.
1: We've spoken about it once, we've spoken about it twice. Guys, get onto it, be responsible and, you know, don't post about it on our social media, come on. <laughs> You're voting. (laughs) Chill.
2: Let's get this thing through, done and dusted. Jules, let's uh, get on to our wacky
1: news. Oh, Sean, firstly, before we get into the real news, I just want to quickly remind everyone that it's Doomsday this Saturday. (laughs) You guys might remember that in episode six a few weeks ago, Sean and I discussed conspiracy theories surrounding the solar eclipse. We just wanted to remind you that according to these conspiracies and conspiracy theorist David Mead, the world we know is going to end this Saturday. So get work off, guys. Put your feet up because we're all going to die. No worries. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking, get ready. speaking of solar-related things, Sean's got some pretty crazy, crazy news for us. Sean, give us some information.
2: Yeah, look, so... Bit of a... We're going to be talking a bit about environment today. Look, uh, Later on, Emily warra Murrah. she considers herself an environmental activist. So before we get to there, I thought I would bring everyone's attention to this absolutely outrageous thing going on in Florida at the moment. Jules, Florida... Uh, Tell me, Sean. Sunshine State, mm. super sunny place. You'd think everybody would be getting around solar
1: energy. Oh, surely they are, Sean. It makes sense. I surely. mean,
2: really, you know, mm. a lot of sun. Let's, you know, use the renewable re- renewable energy to power everything. But no, in fact, it is basically illegal to use solar panels and solar energy in Florida. What?
1: Illegal. Like, like there's a law saying that that can't be done.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That makes so no sense. Basically, that one, makes of, no sense. one
2: of the biggest providers of energy and electricity in uh, Florida, the, uh, what's it called? The Florida Power and Light, FPL. Mm. So they're a major supplier throughout the state. They have heavily lobbied uh, politicians, state politicians, to disallow residents from powering their own homes with solar panels. So basically, all the power has to go through a company such as these guys. It's all a money-making business, but I just find it... So rather
1: than getting off-grid solar panels from a third party, they have to go through the major companies. um, Because essentially, when it comes to to solar energy, uh, unless it's going through the companies, if it goes through a third party, those companies lose, lose a lot of money. Um, isn't that right, Sean? Is that how yeah, it's going? Yeah,
2: yeah, pretty much. I yeah. just think it's outrageous that you know we're not supporting people to get uh, solar panels. I mean, obviously Florida at the moment, you know, a lot of uh, hurricanes going mm. on. So Our thoughts
1: go out to all those individuals affected by the recent hurricanes around Florida and around the Caribbean islands and everywhere affected. So a lot possibly. of
2: people left without electricity because you know the infrastructure just has collapsed.
1: And, and this is- could all be solar there if they had. Some if had solar energy off the grid, but because they have they if they have solar energy, it's on the grid. They they're not allowed to sort of disconnect it, I guess, right? So if anybody, if
2: everybody had you know solar panels, you know, on their roofs during something like this, they would all have more electricity, a backup resource. But not this, uh, yeah. is like, no, this company's like we're gonna five, lose money.
1: There's about one point five million Floridians without power, and this is how they're getting treated just because these big these capitalist pigs want some money. <laughs> It just uh, makes sense to
2: me. I mean, you know, save the environment. Does. and But uh, yeah, look, that's that's not how the
1: world works, unfortunately, even if we think it should. And it's so ironic. Like, I think I might have read that New York had a 100% growth in solar energy usage. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. Um, and then yeah, in comparison, Florida, which, like you said, it's the sunshine state. It's the Queensland of America. <laughs> and they're not using solar panels. It makes no sense. It's ridiculous. Yeah,
2: I just couldn't believe it when I heard this. And I thought, everybody needs to know that, you know, that this is happening. Get around the solar panels, get around the renewables, uh, save mm. the environment. I'm just, I'm disgusted that such a
1: law exists. Yeah, absolutely. It's ridiculous. But on a lighter note, we've got some real wacky stuff coming from another part of the world. This isn't light. This isn't? Oh, this it's is. a little, it's, 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 it's dark humor. It's, it's dark humor. <laughs> it's my kind of humor. Sean, oh, this could only happen in Japan. The land of some wacky stuff from owl cafes to apparently drive-through funerals. That's drive-through funerals. You heard me right, people. Um, th- this firm is doing this morning, gro- mourn and go thing. So Japan's a rapidly aging population. So it's 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 becoming an ultra-aged country, meaning that more than twenty-eight percent of the people are aged sixty-five or above. So I tell you what, there's one thing you want to invest in Japan: it's the funeral industry, because that is. Booming. AU, sixteen billion dollars it is worth.
2: Drive through funerals. Tell me, uh, I don't understand. How, <laughs> how does that work? What happens? I'm, I'm picturing like Mac is, you know, you've got a dead body in the back and you're yeah. going through getting a, you know, a McChicken. Tuck, tuck
1: him in the back. <laughs> <laughs> tell, oh God. tell me more. Well, elderly mourners, they can register their names on a touchscreen and they can just roll down their car window, you know, do that. The traditional offering of incense There's a Japanese tradition of giving incense up at an altar to pay respects. Um, so they can just yeah you know, roll down the window, do that, and you know they're on their way. And this has also been done because of the not just because there are more funerals, but also because of the amount of older, um, cause the amount of older relatives and the older citizens that will be attending these funerals, because they don't want to have to get out of their cars, because they can have trouble getting out of their cars sometimes. Um, so it, not only is it, it does it streamline it, but it also just makes it easier for everyone. I love this idea. Sean and I are both Italian, and boy, do we have a lot of people coming to funerals, right, Sean?
2: <laughs> Look, haven't been to a whole lot. I'm happy to say, oh, but this really? just just struggling to picture this whole incident in my head. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit, it's a bit freaky if you ask me.
1: It's crazy. I mean, no one likes funerals. Um, so I guess this is one way to sort of make it easier for everyone. But I wonder how that would feel just. Imagine if your cousin's just like, "Yo, I'm just gonna drive through this funeral rather than actually coming to the door." But this isn't this is the only crazy thing that's happened in Japan. Um, in terms of similar funeral arrangements, there's one trend called rent a monk, where at the click of a mouse, the mourning family can order a monk to deliver funeral rites. So rather than going to the monk, the monk goes to them. Rent
2: a monk. Rent
1: a monk. Just coming in a little box, like, oh, he died in transit. Awkward. And then how about, Sean, how about a mail order funeral?
2: Um, um, what do you mean a mail order funeral?
1: So if you, a mail mortar, a mail order, Sean. I said order. Did you?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Damn, I mumble a
1: little bit. That's awkward. Um, so for those who can't afford to pay an expensive funeral, there's a temple near Tokyo that accepts the ashes of the deceased via mail. Oh, so you
2: literally. And they s- bury it. Oh, no, no, no. You let's, send the urn. Oh, Japan needs to chill out on this. That, there's some <laughs> weird death customs going here.
1: And then you, you, know, you can you could pay virtual visits to the gravesite if it's too far away. <laughs> you know there are buildings constructed specifically to house ashes. That is, oh, mm, scary stuff. That is some haunted buildings.
2: Oh, look, this is being a little bit morbid, but rest assured, the rest of the show is going to be super exciting. This is a, this a much sad.
1: This was a much sad. Uh, um news segment than we're used to (laughs) wasn't as funny as normal
2: (laughs) coming up very shortly we'll be chatting to emily warimara part one of our tedx youth special a couple of weeks ago tedx youth happened in sydney where a whole bunch of young people got up on a stage and spoke about uh the future and all the fantastic things that young people are doing so naturally we thought let's get a couple of them on board and we are so happy to be phoning them very shortly Cheetah book me <laughs>
4: you <laughs> Maybe something like that
2: You're on Front and Centre with Sean and Joolza on Sin Nation Welcome back to Front and Centre with Sean and Joolza on Sin Nation This is the show where we highlight the incredible achievements of young people And we are so privileged to be joined on the phone with 21 year old indigenous uh, singer Emily Waramara Emily, welcome
4: Hi guys, thanks for
1: having me. All no right, thanks for coming. Did Sean get the age right? You are twenty-one.
4: Yes.
2: That's
1: pretty uh, incredible.
4: It. That's really cool.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> same age as us. That's a bit scary, isn't it, Jules? <laughs> oh
4: my god, are we all the same age? Yeah. Woo-hoo.
1: Way to make us feel bad, Emily. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Thank I you love god. it. <laughs> So anyway, you achieve you've achieved some incredible things. Um, you've got you got a you got a recent E P out. did you recently ever release an E P?
4: Yeah. Um so last year I released my E P Black Smoke and um I think I think it's was it's still going pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and just been chilling, cruising around, touring, um, collaborating with artists and um, yeah, just chilling out making music
1: <laughs> yeah so can you tell us a bit for 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 our loyal listeners can you tell us a bit about the kind of music that you play tell us a bit about your, yourself and what you do
4: so the music that i play is rootsy folk and i also sing in my mother tongue at because i'm from great island in northern territory and um yeah it's, it's a bit uh rootsy folky acoustic yeah blues i like to incorporate all genres well try to incorporate genres because i think that music shouldn't be limited and it's such a beautiful way to mix and match
2: (laughs) you mentioned that you like or you sing in your mother tongue as well as english what was where did you um grow up in the northern territory and how has your upbringing influenced your music today
4: I grew up on Great Island, um, which is in the Gulf of Carpentaria, probably about an hour away on a plane from Darwin, and I think it's really influenced me because where I'm from, we're really chilled back, we are really just go with the flow, Um, you know, we don't really know sadness, we don't really know crying, my childhood is just, you know, happy and laughing and beach parties and... Fishing and hunting and lots of um, hitting your head on the Land Cruiser on the <laughs> top of the Land Cruiser because we're driving so fast down like these crazy dirt roads. But um, yeah, it was. It's been. I think that yeah, in my music you hear it like it's really kicked back. It's very islandy. Very um, I don't know, like a summer breeze. <laughs> Do
2: you have some songs that deal with certain issues that you just feel like need to be sung in? um your mother tongue as opposed to english or do you just is it a random choice which um, language you choose
4: um it's not it, i think it just depends on the songwriting process so like if i'm feeling a certain subject i'll write about that subject and then incorporate the language like translate if um translate from english to an i think that's Probably the way that I I approach um, things, but definitely certain subjects like um, I'm a huge environmental person, so environmental issues like mining and fracking and stuff like that just totally ticks and grabs my gears. Yeah, other than that, I just focus on songs about life and, and things that make you happy and the songlines and stories and dream times.
2: Now you mentioned about you know, the importance of land and preserving that. Do you consider yourself a bit of an activist then through your music?
4: Oh, most definitely. Um, you know, I try to get myself involved in anything really that, especially with with what's happening with Adani and the fracking mm. in Northern Territory. Um, I think it's really important to to let and make make everyone aware that this is happening and and these people that are doing this to our land, it's not right, and um, this land has stories, this land has, you know, spirits, and, and it has, yeah, song lines attached to it, and, you know, there's so much meaning to it, that to our people, it's like, it, it's is—it's very disrespectful to have these people come in and be like, okay, we just want this part of the land, when there's so, if you look deeper, there's so much more to the let that the land has to offer, and so yeah.
1: Yeah, and you recently performed at the TEDx Youth Sydney. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
4: I did. It was so beautiful, and it was so fun. I've always wanted to um, go to a TEDx, but I've um, I've, I don't, I've just probably been touring, and so yeah. <laughs> um, for, for them to ask me, and I met so many inspirational speakers and oh, my gosh, it was just the most, oh, like, it made you so aware of all these issues that you didn't even know about. You were like, whoa, that's a problem? Like, oh, what's the problem with that? And then when you talk to these people, they, they educate you and then they twist, like, not twist things, but they just turn it around that makes you go, oh, my gosh, what am I doing with my life? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty pretty full on. Like, the talks are pretty full on and, to have the, the honour to go on stage and perform, I am just, I was just super grateful to have that opportunity. It was just such a beautiful opportunity and I'm really grateful for it because I met so many beautiful new friends and so many um, people who who just who you know that will make the world a better place.
2: So do you think the future is bright then for us Australians? We've got all these fantastic young people doing these things. As we've well.
1: had within past past few weeks of interviews.
4: I think our future is getting bright.
1: <laughs> um, not, not there just yet.
4: Not there just yet. I think there's there's still time and there's still room for individuals to come up and really enunciate it. But that's that's something that you know inequality and you know ignorance and perception of different things that's still around. And once that happens, like once we learn how to work together. I think our future will be brighter.
1: Absolutely, um, that's awesome. Definitely, I gotta ask as well. Um, why do you think, uh, like through your performance, you are such an empowered, and then through your music, you're such an empowered—not just a young woman, but young Indigenous woman. Why do you think it's so important to empower um, Indigenous voices?
4: I think it's super important. Being First Nations people, um, we have to be a advocate and. Voice issues that happen in Australia that not a lot of people, a lot of actually a lot of people turn a blind eye to, and I think um, what I'm doing with my music um, by showing these women in in the young comu- in the communities that it doesn't matter like you know where who you are or where you come from that you can do and be whatever you want as long as you work hard and and put your mind and your heart and your soul and everything into it like. Um, yeah, I think it's important for our young Indigenous peoples to be inspired and empowered because they're the they're the next leaders of the next generation. They're going to be the one who's probably going to be sitting in office and telling us, you know, not to build a road here, not to build a road there. You know, they they're going to be they're, yeah, they're pretty um, it's going to be a big bulldozer when they all grow up. <laughs> so, I'm really glad to be a part of a generation where we're rising up and we're not letting like we're not being oppressed anymore. Like we have so many amazing activists now who we can turn to and and look up to as role models and so many musicians. Like when you're in the industry it literally feels like you're surrounded by your brothers and sisters. Like it doesn't feel like a competition. It just feels like a big a big bonfire within itself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. (laughs) I forgot, forgot to ask earlier as well, um, you play a number of instruments, don't you? Could you tell us what instruments you play?
4: I do, yeah. Um, so I play the violin, the saxophone, the guitar, the ukulele, piano, clarinet, um, wow. and I'm just learning the drums and bass.
2: Jesus. How? <laughs> how? You're 21 and you've mastered that many instruments. How, how did you do it? <laughs>
4: I think, well, my dad, he's Filipino-Chinese, and so um, he just wanted me to learn and pick up as much as I could. And so mum would enrol me into these classes. Like, violin class was my first one, and I was just absolutely smitten, like, my head, head over heels in love with the theoretical side of music and how you can do all this amazing stuff. And then when it came to actually performing on stage... I was like, oh my god, I love this! It's so fun, and so having all these instruments to mess around and play with, it's just—it's just like a big toy box.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> awesome. You're listening to Front and Centre with Sean and Jules on Sin Nation. All right, Emily. Well, we're not quite—not done quite yet. We've gotten to the fun part of the show. I mean, I mean, it's been pretty fun, this is the extra fun part of the show. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to officially welcome you to the the quick-fire round. <laughs> <laughs> That's
4: great. we just going to
1: ask you a few random questions and answer them however you like. We're going to just have some fun now. Okay. <laughs>
4: hey,
2: Emily. Emily, I'm really curious to know specifically what is your favourite place in the world?
4: My favourite place in the world... Oh my gosh. Would be in the
1: kitchen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we were we were talking about like city or country, but sure, the kitchen, good on ya yeah.
4: Any kitchen actually. Any kitchen where like they cook up mad food, like literally I could be in any kitchen, but um I probably yeah. Oh I can cook.
1: <laughs> oh I, she can cook. She, she doesn't cook Sean. She can cook.
4: <laughs> off map.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I love it. What's your favorite what's your favorite thing to cook? What's your what's your what's your dish?
4: I love um there's a traditional dish called chicken odobu,
1: hmm.
4: And that's my favorite dish. That's um it's a traditional Filipino dish and it's just absolutely beautiful. I love it so much. Yum. And sticky rice. Sticky rice is the bomb.
1: Awesome. Did you like, your dad? You said your dad was Filipino, correct? Yeah. Did he yeah, teach you how to cook?
4: Filipino. No. Surprisingly, my mum she knows all the recipes because, oh. um, <laughs> and so she's just like, hey, yeah, you just come watch and learn, and I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. So I sit there and just watch her, and then when I moved into my own house, I was just cooking up a storm. I was like, woo! My neighbours were like, oh, girl, what's that good smell? I was like, oh come on over
1: for dinner but yes. <laughs> I love it yeah I didn't learn how to cook until I was like 20 and then we recently interviewed um, a 16 year old who's been cooking since he was 8 and it's like shame stop yeah. <laughs> oh my
4: gosh we need to be
1: besties <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure you love it that's awesome this is stressing right.
2: me out I'm I've been moving out of home in a couple of months and I just, I'm, I'm just, just give just me all the cookbooks out. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sean's like I'm I can't rely on frozen
1: lasagna forever <laughs>
4: love it <laughs> lasagna <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right um so what, what, what is, so what is your favorite maybe you had to choose a location what's your favorite location
4: my favorite location um would have to be gosh it's such a good question Can I um it paris paris would be my favorite location
1: oh yeah. i do love me some paris yeah
4: just because they have a lot of Nutella and really good pastry. <laughs>
1: <Yeah. 4% laughs> like
4: everywhere you go. <laughs> so
1: true. I had the best pastry when I was in Paris and I haven't had anything better since. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so nice. <laughs> All right.
4: And I swear, like, everything, everything they cook is just... Oh, it's I don't just know, and divine. I tried chicken, le- like, was it? No, I tried frog legs there and I thought it was a chicken. And it wasn't a chicken. Everyone was laughing at me, and I was like, oh, this is great chicken. Oh, my God. I've never had such good chicken before. (laughs) Classic Aussie girl,
1: completely out of her depth. Yeah.
4: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I felt like I didn't know how to feel after. I was just like, what do I do? I just ate a frog leg. (laughs) Uh,
1: What about
2: snails? Did you get around snails? I remember having a few snails. That was a bit weird. Mm. I love the snails. I was so nice.
4: (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know, my friend told me she said you just gotta remember that anything smothered in garlic and butter is gonna taste nice and I'm like <laughs> yeah, that's such a good true. point huh?
2: a good that's true yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> alright next question uh, if you could visit any time period when would it be
4: I would visit oh my gosh um I would like to visit probably like 500 years ago
3: mm.
4: here in Australia just to see how, like, my ancestors live mm. and, um, like, just to be a part of that kind of traditional way of living, which is really beautiful, like, and, um, yeah, because there's so much, like, stories I've heard and of how the old times used to be, and I just, I'd really love to see that and experience that. So, yeah, I'd visit, like, 500 years ago here in Australia.
1: <laughs> yeah, good answer. That would be very fascinating, wouldn't it? <laughs>
4: Oh, well, most definitely. It'd be like, whoa, spin out. Like, there'd be no buildings. And, like, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, we're like, you know, when, I don't know, when I go to the city, I look at these buildings and I picture, like, what what it would look like if it just had, like, what trees would be there or what yeah. animals would be roaming around. Like, yeah, I'm just weird like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm the same. I live in a pretty, um, this, it seems pretty untouched and rural. And I always wonder what it'd be like 200 years ago. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Um, If you could have dinner with anyone at any time, so dead or alive, uh, who would it be and why?
4: Oh, my gosh. I would have dinner with Nina Simone.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh.
4: She's so... I just, like... Sit there and be like, No, don't
1: eat the food, just sing to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I give me all the,
2: the food and just sing for me.
1: Yeah, yeah give me all the food. Oh my gosh, I love Nina Simone. Don't sing. What an I, I she's an absolutely iconic black voice in the in music history. It's it's incredible.
4: Oh, she's just I don't know, and I've seen like I've seen videos of her live and I think that she'd just be such a beautiful person, like really insightful and so Elegant and graceful, and just really—I don't know—really enchanting to be around. Like she just seems like one of those really enchanting people, like that you just have to love.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Would you say she's one of your main inspirations?
4: Most likely. Yeah. Most
1: likely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Emily. That's that's the end of our of our of our discussion, unfortunately, and, and the end of the, oh. the quickfire round. <laughs>
4: No, thank you. Thank you so much. That was so fun. (laughs) Really great questions. Oh, glad you had
1: such a good time. (laughs) Yeah, thanks so much for
2: joining us. Hope you enjoyed it. And good luck uh, in the future with all the amazing things that I'm sure you'll do. We'll keep a very close eye.
4: Most definitely. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Super grateful,
1: guys. No worries. Thanks for coming.
2: Hey, Joolza, are you ready to inspire a whole nation of young people?
1: Let's do it. You're listening to Front and Centre on Sin Nation with Sean and Julesa. And welcome back to Sin Nation. You're listening to Front and Centre with your favourites, Sean and Julesa. We're in part two of our TEDx Youth Special. Sean, it's been pretty awesome so far, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, I had an absolutely fantastic conversation with Indigenous artist Emily Waramara. And now we are going to be talking to someone who actually... Uh, gave a speech there, which is super Mm. interesting. Jules, who are we talking to now?
1: Well, Sean, we're about to have a great conversation with McKinley Butson. She's on the line now. McKinley, how are you going? Hi, good, thank you. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, So, McKinley, you're a a 16-year-old inventor from New South Wales. You're the first Australian to win first place in the world at the Intel International Science and Engineering Fair in its 67-year history which is considered the Science Olympics, that's incredible. You're only 16. That's nuts. Like, yeah, thank what, you. What started this? What started this passion for science and for inventing, you know?
0: Yeah, look, I mean, science has been something that I've been interested in since I was a little kid. You know, I was, I was always that little annoying kid nagging, going, hey, mum, why is the sky blue? How, hey, dad, and asking all these questions. And, you know, I think um, my parents have really inspired me and, you know, um, driven that curiosity and, Rather than always just, you know, giving me the answer, they've encouraged me to go and experiment and find the answer out myself, which is something that I think has fostered and has grown um, into a passion as I've become a bit older. Um, I think inventing is just a really great way of putting my love and passion for science into something useful and into something um, which can potentially help people.
2: Now one of these inventions that you've come up with to hopefully help people and it has to do with treating breast cancer. Can you tell us a bit about this invention and how you went about inventing it, I suppose? Yeah, look, so um this was called the Smart
0: Armour which stands for Scale Male Armour for Radiation Therapy and so first I'll just describe the problem a bit. So The problem is when women go for breast cancer treatment in radiation therapy, the contralateral breast, which is basically just a fancy word for the breast that's not being treated, receives high amounts of unwanted radiation as a byproduct of the treatment. And it's estimated that 1 in 14 women who undergo this treatment will develop another primary cancer as a side effect. So what my uh, device is, it's made out of scale mail, which is a type of medieval armor. Uh-huh. And it's basically just a copper shield which uh, can be laid down on uh, the breast that's not being treated, and it's able to reduce doses to the contralateral breast by up to eighty uh, percent. It's very exciting at the moment. Um, it's actually uh, starting clinical trials at the Chris O'Brien Lifehouse in Sydney, uh, which is very exciting.
1: That's incredible. So you've basically come up with this this life changing, this life changing invention out of something that has been around for hundreds of years. Like, what gave you the idea to? to use something like, I guess, medieval armour.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, um, it's something that I like looking into. um, My TEDx talk was about using the past to change the future. And today's generation and today's society is always encouraged to, you know, come up with new ideas and everything has to be new and novel and, and undiscovered. But I think if we look towards the past, we can take things that have been used before and refocus them for... Uh, whether that be scientific breakthrough or whether that be for other purposes. And this is really something that um, I've used. I mean, the ancient and curving, conforming nature of the scale made it ideal for its new purpose.
2: Now, we will get into talking about your speech at TEDx very shortly, but what I'm really curious about, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, is how a 16-year-old goes about inventing something like this that is going to actually be you know, trialed in hospitals? Like, you're still at the high school, you know, did you have a mentor? Did you go to some kind of special program? How did you get about getting this into a um, trial stage?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's been a bit of a process, and a, you know, a lot of hard work, but I do science projects to help people and I think one platform which I think has really helped me is the uh, Science Teachers Association of New South Wales Young Scientist Competition and they're a state-run competition which is all volunteers all teachers around new south wales which come and judge science projects and this is where i got the opportunity to actually compete at the international science fair and i was honored honored enough to have um an all fairs uh paid trip to the us uh, to compete in this competition and i was lucky enough to get first so i think that's something that's really been able to help me you know uh, it's been something that's been able to validate my research and show that there is something to it and that despite my age, we can come up with differences. And I think that's something which can seem a bit daunting to young people. Their age, you know, and a lot of older people may look down on this, but I think in the future, we're really going to be the ones, our generation are going to be the ones which are finding the solutions and coming up with the ideas. So I think there is a lot of value placed on our opinions and our ideas, and that's really um, what's been help, helping me to get this device up and running.
2: Yeah, and the massive value on Young Opinions was absolutely on display at TEDx Youth in Sydney recently. As we mentioned, we had a chat to Emily Waramara about that. How, how did your speech go there, and uh, how did you see the role of young people play out?
0: Yeah, look, I mean, of course, I was a little bit nervous for my speech, um, as I think everyone was, but I think, you know, I think it went really well, and I've had a really positive response. And, you know, the purpose of my speech... Wasn't for myself. It's to try and inspire young people, which uh, was the role of everyone there. We're trying to inspire young people and inspire them to shift the future, as was shown by the event's theme. So, and you know, I think I think we've really done that, and I think the whole team uh, should be really proud of themselves for the difference that they can make.
1: That's awesome. That's incredible. How you just this completely self-made. Success story of a sixteen-year-old. Like you're not you're not riding off anyone else's fame. You ever got some small loan of a million dollars? You just you just bringing bringing the big guns out. That's incredible. Um, Thank you. Because you know you're also the Wollongong Young Citizen of the Year. You just so you're this huge role model for women in science. Do you do you consider yourself a role model? Like do you see yourself on that?
0: Yeah. Look, I mean, I don't think I consider myself as a role model. But you know, if other people can can see what I've done and you know be encouraged by that, and and other people can see that, oh, if she's doing it, maybe I can do it. Maybe I can um, do something similar. Or, and it doesn't even have to be in science. I think, um, of course, I'm very passionate about women in STEM and young people in STEM. But I think if you're passionate about something and you want to make a difference, go for it. I mean, whether that be in art, whether that be in literature, whether that, you know, be in humanitarian issues, whatever you're passionate about and whatever you have a need and a want to help people in. You can you can reach the same people through different areas.
1: Yeah, that's such inspiring words. I love it. You're you're really you're really tackling exactly what we're hoping to do here on the show, trying to inspire young people to do incredible things. That's gross. Yeah,
0: thank
1: you. So, um, you were telling us um, how you flew, you got flown over to the US for the international science fair, and like you said, it's such a great opportunity. Can you tell us a bit about what that what that was like participating in it and attending the um, science fair? Yeah.
0: Look, I mean. It was absolutely a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I mean, if you can imagine being chucked in a room of about 1,800 people, all with a common um, interest in science, and we're all nerds and, you know, (laughs) being connected with like-minded people, it's quite overwhelming at first, but, you know, it's absolutely amazing. Even walking down and seeing the other projects, half of which I didn't even understand the title of, it really inspires you to... um, Continue what you're doing and knowing that, you know, you're not the only one out there and there are other people who have this interest um, in science.
1: Yeah, so, like, being surrounded by like-minded people, did that really inspire you, get your brain juices flowing?
0: Yeah, I mean, it really, it really did. It's, um, you know, seeing what other people do. Like, at the science fair, I had one, a group next to me who um, had created a small test, which is a urine test, which is able to actually test for breast cancer.
1: Wow. And,
0: you know... It's things like that where, you know, if they can get that device on the market, that's fantastic because then people won't need my device, you know. If they yeah. can find cures for cancer and all this breakthrough research, my device isn't going to be needed. And I think that's the end point because a cure in cancer is better than something uh, trying to help for treatment.
1: Exactly. Now, when it comes, you were saying that your SMART um, uh, is um, in the clinical trials. How long does that go on for before they decide that, yeah, we're going to, we're going to really distribute this and get it, get it used in all hospitals around the world?
0: Yeah, look, um, I think it's going to be a bit of a process. It's only in the early phases of clinical trials, you know, where we're uh, showing it to women and, and trying to gauge their response and, you know, whether they'd be willing to use it. And um, So we're still in the early phases, but, you know, hopefully it will get out there and hopefully it will be able to be used around the world. However long that takes is up to fate, but, you
2: know, yeah... It's very easy for us to think that we are speaking to a doctor with 20 or 30 years experience but no you are 16 years old you're still at high school what's the plan for you you've got this uh, amazing invention which is hopefully going to change the lives of many people but are you looking at you know heading to uni after high school and you know still inventing more things what's the plan
0: yeah, look, I mean, at the moment, in the short term, I'd, I'd like to just get through high school at the moment and <laughs>
4: finish,
0: finish school. But, um, yeah, look, I'd love to be able to get these devices into production and actually out there and potentially looking at a career in medicine. You know, I think uh, it may sound very cliche, but yeah. um, it does really combine my love for science and, and that invention side and, and it's science and engineering and STEM with a need and a want to, to help people. And so I think it combines both of those into a nice
1: little career. It's another beautiful day because you're listening to Front and Center with Sean and Julesa. All right, well, all the serious stuff aside, now we're going to get into a, a bit of a bit of a fun fun thing. Now, this is what Absolutely. I like. To, yeah, this is what I like to call the the quick fire round. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to ask you a few wacky questions, have a bit of a good time, a bit of a laugh.
2: Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> All righty, McKinley, straight up. If you could have dinner with one historical figure, alive or dead, who would it be? Okay, uh, Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> oh,
1: I like it. I like why.
0: Okay, um, there is... I love musical theatre.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and there is
0: actually a... Uh, you may, not, may have heard of it, uh, a recent yeah. Broadway production uh, called Alexander Hamilton, which is about the Amer- American Revolution... Uh, and so I think it'd be really interesting to have a chat with him.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I've heard it's really amazing. I've heard it's really good. Yes. Well, have you seen it?
0: No, I haven't. It's, oh, a, yeah. dream. it's
1: yeah. a dream. It's a dream. One day. All right, this one, this one's pretty relevant to your to your career path, I guess. If you could solve one world issue, which would it be?
0: Cancer. <laughs> um, I think I think it's a, it's a it's a big issue which uh affects so many people and you know uh, again, as cliché as it sounds, um, I think if we can eradicate cancer from the world, that would just be a massive leap
2: for mankind.
1: Absolutely, yeah. That, I think that's a pretty easy answer. Yeah. <laughs> <Cool>.
2: <laughs> if you could be an invention, <laughs> what invention would you be and why? Oh goodness, I got to think about that one. Um, can I say one of my own inventions?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um no. Um.
0: Oh goodness, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe something like a microscope
1: Oh, that would be cool Looking
0: deeper into things Yeah
1: That would be really cool actually, yeah I would That be, would be cool. I'd be a microwave that can actually heat things all the way through <laughs>
0: That's actually a really good idea You've got to get someone onto that
1: Yeah, I always wonder why it's 2017 And we still have microwaves that give us cold food in the middle
2: <laughs> Or hoverboards, where are they? Come on, back to the future
1: Oh my god, yeah, so true I love it <laughs> well,
2: you got, You've got a few options there for your next for your A few project. ideas
1: Absolutely we we'll give you we we'll give you permission to steal those from us. You you take the helm on those ones. <laughs> awesome, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Oh, we got one more.
2: Yeah, I think we have got one more. Look, if you could claim an invention as your own, what would it be? <laughs> oh goodness, <sighs> mobile phones.
1: Oh. Yeah.
0: Because Genius. they, that's it, just a mass market in that. And I think that'd be pretty cool to be able to say, hey, I invented the mobile phone so that you guys don't have to carry a brick around in your pocket
2: anymore.
1: Yeah, I like it. <laughs> what are you, like
2: Jules? It. What If you could claim an invention, what would it be? I think I'd go... Like,
1: Microwaves <laughs> that heat things all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Even go, though it's non-existent
1: yet. Yeah, when <laughs> it eventually gets invented, I'm going to claim that as my idea because I I, I yeah. complain about it at least once a day to my to mum. My <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you
2: need to copyright that right
1: now. Oh, we will copyright Julian Vergona. Get on it stick a on it. Yeah. <laughs> i got to ask one, one, one more quick question. What's something that you want to invent but you can't just because there's just limited technology. You just can't do it.
0: A device uh, which is able to create renewable power um, without any side effects.
1: Mm. Yeah. And without any fuel.
0: Yes. Without any fuel. Just just creating power. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just out of thin air. I like Climate it. Climate goals. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Climate <laughs> goals. All right. Well, thanks all a lot, McKinley. Come...
0: which can heat um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> through
1: all the way through. That'd be cool as well. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it for the mankind. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, McKinley, we've, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our interview now. Um, so we've got to say thanks so much. You've been an absolute treat. It's been awesome. Awesome. Thank you. It's been
2: a pleasure. Good luck with your future. And I'm sure we will be hearing about plenty of your inventions in the years to come. Have a good one.
1: Thank you. And now we've run out of time. <laughs> I vastly, <laughs> vastly overestimated the amount of time we had. I was like, "We've got time for another song, maybe not two songs, but no, it's literally out of <laughs> well,
2: we are, we are absolutely done. Filled up the hour. Another fantastic chat oh, too. Only had two four songs
1: today, but exactly, we managed to fit in two guests.
2: I mean, I'm pretty happy to sacrifice a couple of songs to talk to two fantastic young mm. people. I'm super happy.
1: Uh, if that you... was a really great time, but you know. If you're just shooting in now, you missed out. No stress. I'm um, sure if he, you know, pulls his finger out, he might get the podcast up tomorrow, or at least <laughs> by the end of the weekend, and you can listen to all that episode again. We've got all our other episodes on our website as well.
2: Yeah, if uh, you've just joined us and you, or you joined midway through that conversation, you're a bit confused what we we're talking about today. We had a fantastic TEDx Youth special. We spoke to two people who featured at TEDx's uh, Youth convention in sydney a couple of weeks ago so uh yeah definitely worth checking out the podcast when i get that done over the weekend looking Sean's like oh, i'm
1: so busy i'm just so stressed out oh my god take me an hour to do it i'm so stressed out
2: uh looking forward to next week week 10 into double figures
1: oh no this week this week 11 this is week 10 mate
2: no, is this week ten? This is the tenth
1: episode. Okay,
2: yep. This is double figures. <laughs> Next week is <laughs> no, eleven. <number> 11.
1: <laughs> well and truly into double figures. We're going to be pulling a bit of a plot twist, and we're not interviewing uh, an outside guest. We're interviewing actually someone from Sin Media <laughs> <laughs> because we thought, why not interview one of the amazing young people who has made all this possible, who've, yeah. made, who've brought Sean and Jules out to your e holes.
2: Yeah, there are hundreds of amazing volunteers and workers here at Sin Media, so we thought we'd get one of them to join us in the studio, uh, and I'm really looking forward to talking to them next week.
1: Oh, I'm so excited, but like said, as usual, we'll reveal that on Tuesday or Wednesday, so that's going to be pretty exciting. <clears throat> Sorry about that. But in the meantime, yeah, we've come to the end of the show. Sean, I've had a pretty good time. You had a good time?
2: Yeah, it's been a fantastic. Show Uh, just still blows my mind that we're at week 10, only two weeks to go. It's It's been a very enjoyable season, and I'm looking forward to finishing on a really high note. Also, stay tuned for a very special announcement for our final episode. There are some serious things in the works. I don't Uh, want to give away too much. It's going to be a
1: great final episode. In the meantime, guys, uh, we're going to be playing one last song to finish up. These guys, uh, we're playing Run For Cover by The Killers. Um, we're playing Run For Cover by The Killers. The Killers just announced a tour. Drake's coming. Uh, I got tickets to Drake. woo um, future islands are coming. It's it's spilt milk. Lords coming. There's freaking everybody's here. There are so many concerts on over the next few months. I say to everyone, I say every few years you've got to shell out all your cash because every single person comes. Oh, Muse is coming as well. You got to shell out all your cash because you get tons of concerts, all your favorite artists at the same time. It's that kind of, type of time of year? And then the killers come out with a new album tomorrow. It's a great. Time of year.
2: Yeah, it's all happening. Get down, support the Melbourne music scene. We are so lucky here. We have one of the best, I reckon, in the world. So, 100%. Yeah, it's all happening this time of mm. year. Heading into summer as well, and then the summer festival. Super exciting.
1: No, well, Hopefully spring keeps up to be nice and warm and sunny.
2: Thanks a lot for tuning in today. We will see you next week, as always, on Thursday. Thursday at seven pm on your digital radios. Find You've us been on
1: listening. Oh, sorry, Sean.
2: Going to say, find us on Facebook as well. Check us a like Front and Center on Facebook to keep up with our uh, announcements for the next couple of weeks.
1: Awesome! You'll be listening to Front and Center with Sean and Jules on Sin Nation. Have a good week.
2: Thanks for tuning in into Front and Center with Sean and Jules on our weekly podcast. What another great show! That was super fun. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday at seven pm on Sin Nation or on our podcast a few days later.
1: We will be interviewing more incredible young people and exploring more awesome unheard of news. So, Sean, I'm pretty excited. We'll see you then.